Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So, Pastor Chad and some of the men are away at a retreat, so you're stuck with me today. So, so I'm bringing the word. And for all the ladies in the house, yes, my heel did break this morning. So if I take off my shoes, it's because my heel is broken. That is the awesomeness of wearing heels, guys. You just don't even understand. This is what girls go through. Um, Chad started a series a couple of weeks ago on roadblocks to reaching the lost. And he wanted this kind of month to be um, about that. And so he asked me to preach on it again. And I said, well... What angle? And he said, well, just if you say it the same thing in a different way, it's good. And so, I don't know. So um, tonight, actually, or today, this is the morning, um, what you're getting from me at the beginning, I'm asking you to bear with me, and it will get a lot better and more positive too, but um, you're getting deep thoughts from from Melissa because um, I've really been pondering this whole thought of, of the season that this church is in and the season um, that we're about to go into, and um, just the, the season that we've been in through the years. Um, I, I think of next week, huge week. Anybody excited? I am, I am crazy excited. Um, and yes, we have like balloons everywhere to go. You know, this is, this is really big. Um, and so I'm just going to do a recap. Anybody see these on all over Stratford? Pretty cool. If you haven't, you need to put one on your lawn. And so we're asking that you would grab one on the way out of the sur- of this service today. Um, just a really, really, really simple thing that you can do. We have 50. Okay. So, so I have two on my lawn. And if we give away 49 to 50 today, I can take one off my lawn and give it to you. But um, really, businesses, everything, it's going to make a big difference. And so... Um, we are not trying to do things out of hype here. We're trying to do things intentionally and strategically. And so there's ways that I'm going to get into reaching the lost personally, but there's ways that it's just simple, simple ways that we can do it. So my kids and, and us went over this week. And you know what? 50 of these actually just did like our little street. And so we've got to actually get probably a couple more of these. But it's, again, a little thing. And I love what Chad said last week when he said that one of these you know, put in every single door means absolutely nothing. Like really, you know, somebody's going to throw it in the garbage. But one of these and you praying over it is the difference between nothing and changing a life. And I don't think it's so much about us, you know, blitzing the town as it like getting eyes to see that, wow, I have a street full of people who are unsaved. And that's my responsibility to pray for them. And so this is almost just a reminder for you oh yeah, I got to put one here. God, whatever's going on in that home, may you enter that home, Holy Spirit, fill them and you know, put people around them, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else that would remind them that there is a God and that they need him. You know what? Just praying the Holy Spirit into their home because this is going to make a difference, not as a piece of paper, but as a reminder to you, let's pray for the streets around us. 
Um, on another note, we have a big ma um, map out there. My street is done. And guess what? There's actually probably a few people on my street, and they've been doing, they've been doing different streets. So I'm going to choose another street now, maybe in a different area that isn't touched at all. And maybe you need to go out there and just stand there for a second and say, God, what is the street where somebody just needs this this week? And find a different neighborhood that you've never even been on and go blitz it. But if we don't do it, um, we could have chose to spend a lot of money and like put them in the newspaper, but we believe that we are good stewards of God's money and that you have legs. And it's amazing. Like God gave us everything we need to get these into the city. Isn't that awesome? You. So, um, yeah. So on that side note, so somebody can have this one after and somebody can have this pile of, of um, books. Is this okay? Okay. So, um, so the deep thoughts, I'm going to continue now. Um, my deep thoughts um, over what season that we are in. I've, I've been in ministry now for 17 years, and I know I'm getting old. This is not natural. My kids tell me that every day. And, um, and I've been in really, really, really big churches, and I've been in really, really tiny churches, and I've been in medium-sized churches, and, and it's interesting that every church is the same. We go through ebb and flows of growth and shrinking and growth and shrinking. Everybody see that? Anybody see that? Yep, we all do. And, and the longer you've been in church, the more you can see it. And you're like, oh, look at that. Awesome. We're in a growth phase. Like, what causes it? I don't know. And, you know, look at that. We're shrinking. Why? I don't know. Well, I'm, I have deep thoughts today because um, I've, I've kind of even just being here in the last five years, um, saw, you know, really cool growth. And then we, we never seem to break through. And then what happens? Now, I have kind of analyzed the growth times. And I've seen when somebody or two people get saved. And they are like fireball. And they are radical. And they start like picking people up on the streets. And they start bringing people in. And then those people get saved radically. And then they start getting other people saved. And they keep coming in. And they keep coming in. And it's like the church goes through a small revival, right? Have you seen that? Pretty awesome times. And then um, I've seen seasons where, you know what? We just hit the head on the target when we're doing a sermon series. And it's really awesome. And you are inspired. And all of a sudden you're like, I am so inspired. Others should be inspired too. And so you bring families out and we start to grow and it's really good. But why don't we sustain it all the time? And so um, I'm probably going to be reading a lot from my notes because I kind of documented it and don't really want to mess. I've, I've, I don't like the curses from the uh, PowerPoint people when I go off my notes, so I'm just going to stay with it. Um, so I think um, all of these things create the ebb and flow of church. They create the ups and downs. Um, I think that sometimes I have a hard time with the ups and downs, though, because um, I have a hard time with the fact that my circumstances would dictate growth in the kingdom of God. Bill Johnson has many quotes that have rocked my world. But I think that one that has hit me the most is, you can show me the size of a man, brace yourself. You can show me the size of a man by showing me the size of his problem. I'm going to say it again. 
You can show me the size of a man by showing me the size of his problem. In other words, what kind of things rock our world? And where is our faith and trust in Jesus in the midst of them? Is our faith unshakable? And what do we do in the times of trials? Where is our gaze set? Is it set on things and situations and circumstances around us? Or is our gaze set on things above, on who God is? On the big picture instead of the little picture? Is our gaze set on the world and what we're going and, and everything that's going on? And if it's set on the, world, on the world, then we are going to be thrown around. We're going to be distracted by lots and lots of things. But if our gaze is on the kingdom of God, then our mindset will be on the fact that our circumstances can't dictate or distract us. So when I was preparing yesterday um, and all of this week, I had a whole different sermon set out. And I just love those moments where I I had something really exciting. Um, And then, not that this won't be, I'm sure you'll be thrilled, Um, but God gave me like this download of this passage of scripture, and I was like, yes, that's it. And as I got into it, I was just kind of speechless as I read the passage. And I'm only going to read the first part first, and then I'll read the second part later, so stay with me. But I felt like God wanted to ask me, and I feel like Pastor Chad asked you this last week, when he said, um, you know, are you drinking milk? Or are you eating steak, right? Anybody? I think, honestly, we probably like skyrocketed the sales of steak last week, right? Anybody have steak? Put up your hand. I see a lot of hands. Um, And he said, are you growing? Are you growing personally? Like, are you drinking milk? Are you eating the same things spiritually, doing the same thing spiritually that you did when you first got saved? Because... As the body of Christ, as as a Christian, I should be constantly growing and doing more and and eating different, like, meatier things so that I can grow, right? And so I felt like God just kind of wanted me to ask the same thing again today and ask you, where are you at? So I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and I want you to think about where you're at in in all of this. Um, And it's a pretty cool passage because uh, we know that Jesus talked many times in parables, But he had never talked in parables until this point. He had just talked straight up. You know, just, he talked to the disciples at their level. And then all of a sudden, he brings people, um, and they went around a lake, and he starts talking in parables. And and his disciples are like, yo, why are you talking like that? Like, you haven't talked like that before. And basically, why he did it was, I got to talk at the people's level. I got to talk, and and in that day, many people talked in parables, and so he wanted to talk in a way that would communicate something and draw them in. And so, I'm just going to read it for you. So, Matthew 13, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and he sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, 
and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whatever, whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, you do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And so let's just kind of quickly go through a couple of those. So did any of those places resonate with you? Has your soil, maybe lately, I'm not saying this was always you, but maybe lately, has your soil been shallow? Maybe you're doing your devotions and life is just really busy and crazy and things just aren't sinking deep. You know when you get in those modes, right? Like I've never been in one of those modes where you're just like going and going and you're like, check, I got to do my devotions, right? You're like, because that's religion. And we're like, got to be a good disciple. I'm going to do my devotions today, check it off. But really my mind is far away and I'm doing my devotions and voila, check off. But I am not actually receiving anything. Is that you? So then there's the um, season um, when maybe a lot is coming at you. And it's like, um, it's like the rocks and a little bit of soil. And so things are coming up really fast around you. But maybe you don't have enough roots that when the wind comes, you're just kind of blown over. And you're like, yes, I'm on another, you know, high. But you're not doing anything to sustain, you know, and build roots. And then the wind comes and blows you over. Or are you like people that Jesus talked about down further in verse 15? For this people's heart has been calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. I found myself in this category um, many, many years ago. I'm sure I've been here in this category many times, but one time in particular, and I never thought that I would ever share this story because it was so utterly shaming and humiliating between me and God. It had nothing to do with anybody else, but it was me. And um, a long time ago, I was in my very early years of ministry. I was pastoring at a really, really large church in Brampton. I was the worship pastor there. So many pastors, right, in the church. So everybody had their own department. Really easy to categorize everything. And, you know, like my 60-person choir and my band is my church. So everybody else, you know, it's their thing. And... Um, um, I was leaving the church one night really, really late, and it was dark out, and um, nobody was there, and the custodian was just closing up, and um, this family came up to me, and they, um, I was just leaving, and they, and they came up to me, and they said, oh, excuse me, ma'am, do you think this church could give us any money, because we need to provide for, you know, diapers and milk for, our, for my baby, and 
you know, I was in a hurry, I was completely exhausted, and I was just like, you know, legitimately, the administrator's not at the church today, I'm so sorry, you know, you have to come back tomorrow morning, just, you know, there's nothing I can do right now. And they got in their car and they left, and I got in my car. And then all of a sudden, all I could hear was, For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me water to drink. I was a stranger, and you gave me a room. I had no clothes, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then those that are right with God will say, Lord, when did I see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and give you a room? When did we see you had no clothes and, and we gave you clothes? When did we see you sick or in person or in prison and we came to you? Then the king will say, for sure, I tell you, because you did it to the least of my brothers. You have done it to me. Matthew 25, 35. And I have never forgotten that day. And I knew in my heart that it's not the church's responsibility to feed the hungry. It's not their responsibility to clothe the poor. It's not their responsibility to care for the sick and to visit the, those in prison, but it's mine. And I say that as a pastor, that it's not my church's responsibility, it's mine. As a person, as a Christian, it's my responsibility. And that I think that this is what the scripture is talking about when Jesus was sharing his parables. Have we become calloused to the things around us? And more importantly, have we become calloused to the heart of God? Because verse 14 again says, For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So when you see people around you, do you judge them? Or do you see them through Jesus' blood-stained hands and feet? Do we have pity on them, but don't do anything about it? We love the saying, God helps those who help themselves, right? The hardworking statement, God helps those who help themselves. Or we sometimes, I think probably where I was at that place in my life, I was hearing so much politic in the church of, you know, well, you know, sometimes there's those people who just so go from church to church and church and they just suck the church dry, but really they don't really have any needs. Have you heard that? Yeah, you've heard that. And it calluses your heart. Because Jesus didn't ask you to figure out who are the ones who needed it and who are the ones who don't. He just asked you to help. And Jesus didn't ask you to, to discern for them what their needs really are. But, you know, is that a need or is that a want? He just said, just love them. So what is the heart of God? Harvest. Planting seeds, growth, increase, and souls getting into the kingdom of God. Did you actually know that God is all about promotion and he's all about increase? And that actually means for you personally. When you look through the Bible, you start from the very beginning. God says, go procreate. Go make lots and lots of babies and make this world bigger and bigger and bigger and make bigger families of, of, of God, right? Right? Then he says, Abraham, 
you know, I'm going to bless you, and I am going to, I think I've got it up on the screen, if I can find it, maybe I hopped way ahead. Um, yeah, he said, as surely I will bless you, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. I think of Joseph and how God gave him favor with, with Pharaoh so he could save a nation from famine. I could probably go on and on and on. There's Daniel, there's disciples, there's Jesus, of course. Um, that is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is increase, blessing his people to promote them so they could go and change the world. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to go back to um, Matthew 13. So you have to just go back one slide, I'm sure, I think. Um, so again, it just said, still others' see, um, seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then in verse 12, he said, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so when you go back to that thought of like, like the, the, the sowing and what is it, are you weak soil? Are you shallow soil? Are you rocky soil? And the only way to define which one you are, you may think, yes, I'm this soil. If you are good soil, you will produce a crop. So how big is your crop? Because it said it, it could be a hundredfold. It could be 60-fold or 30-fold. And if you keep producing, this is the law of the Bible. I love, sometimes the laws don't make sense, you know. Like sometimes God does the opposite of what we think. But the law is, if you have, I'm going to give you more. If you do nothing with it, I'm going to take it away. Ouch! Ouch! Right? I'm going to give you more if you use it. But it's gone if you don't. And so, um, I want you to take a personal moment. And, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm sorry. This is the way I preach. Chad does it every day. I don't. Um, so, God is into your personal promotion. And we just did, um, a, we're just starting as a, a ladies' Bible study called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. And it is so good. Um, because it, the first um, week has been about the fact that God is all about promotion. But his statement is, the promotion that you have, is it all about you? Or who does it benefit? Does it benefit you or does it benefit God? Because if it benefits you, then I don't know if God's interested in it so much. But if it benefits God, that's what he's going to increase in you. And so what I want you to do is take a, a, a moment. And I want you to think about what some of your personal goals are. What some of your visions are, what things that keep you up at night that excite you, maybe some things that you're saving money for. Um, and if you don't have a goal, I actually challenge you that maybe you're just coasting. But I don't know if God wants us to coast because I think that might be falling a little bit more into the level of, hey, if you're using it, I'll give you more. And if you don't, I'm going to take it away. So what are your goals? And what goals you have legitimately right now, are they benefiting you or are they benefiting God? So I want you to take another moment and now I want you to ask God. And you know what? I've been through a season of like eight years um, where our family has just been through rough times. 
um, my health, my kids' health, a lot of things. And I would go to um, different things, and, you know, they'd do this work moment where they'd say, okay, now write down on a piece of paper your vision or your goal or your dream. And I would like... And I just have this panic moment of like my, you know, everybody has a mantra for life. Mine was life is an adventure. Live it. Like I like did life to the, ma- like, to the max. I went, when I was pastoring single, I went out to Alberta to like fire the Rockies. Like, and, and I walked up mountains by myself and all of my pictures were like me hanging over a mountain. And like I lived ferociously life, like loved life. And then all of a sudden through disappointment and sickness, and hardship, and trial, I just kind of became a little less adventurous. And I know, hey, I, you know, we got to put food on the table, right? Yes. But that's not good when somebody says, what are your goals? What promotion does God want you to have? And you kind of go, I don't know, I'm just living day to day. You know what? It's just good if I make it tomorrow. Pat on my back. Yes, I survived the day. I don't know if I'm the only one. If I am, that's bad. Um, but some of you may not realize that you actually don't have a goal and, uh, and you're not praying strategically, God, what is my next promotion? What is the thing that you want me to do the next? Because if you're not praying that way, then I might suggest that maybe you just need to do a little bit of, of heart operation and let God you know, minister to those places in your heart. Because maybe there's been a woundedness and you've lost trust in the fact that God is still in your story and he's still not done with you yet. But I want you to take a moment and ask God, what area do you want me to increase in? What area do you want to promote me in? Because I believe that God wants to promote you so that you can bless the world. We can take the city of Stratford. We can see salvations. And so what area is that for you? Because everybody has a territory. So what is it? I want you to write it down or put it in your phone, really. And when you think about this, Close your eyes and think about this. Just, I'm going to give you two minutes. What is your area? This is not the altar call yet, but this is an interactive moment. You and God. What does God want you to do? How does he want to bless you? How does he want to promote you? I believe that God just birthed some dreams or maybe he just like rebirthed some dreams in some of you. I, I really, like I see a lot of people just going, yeah, that's right. So First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10 moving on. Anybody remember and like, oh, I don't know when it was, whether it was like the 90s or the early 2000s, the, the book, The Prayer of Jabez. Does anybody remember that? You know, I think we go through phases in the church, but I want to bring it back. First Chronicles 4, verse 9 to 10 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called out to God of Israel, If only you would bless me and enlarge my territory, may your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be with 
so that I will be free from pain. And God granted the request of Jabez. Um, Jabez, or Jabez, is a biblical name, a male name given to Old Testament people. And the name Hebrew, Yabetz, for he makes sorrowful. Isn't that just wonderful? Does anybody have a meaning to your name? My name means honeybee. Not that I'm going to sting you, hopefully, but I will bring honey and healing. That's what my name means. I think names actually have something really important. And so you should find out what your name is. And if you don't like it, just ask God for a scripture and change it. Um, you don't have to change your physical name, but just be like, no, I'm taking this scripture. This is, this is what God's promises for me. But his mother, you know, actually basically said, he makes you sorrowful. Like, what a promise in life. So, um, Jabez, or, but Jabez was labeled with sorrow, but his prayer against, but his prayer was against contracting sorrow, and it nullified the label. And so, what he was saying was, God, I want you to relabel me. I want you to bless me. Do you know that in the church, sometimes we have a poverty mentality? And that poverty mentality means, I am such a worm, I am such a sinner, and I am just... I am just grateful to be alive. You know, I don't deserve anything else, but it's just good to be here. And maybe your situation or your past or something that has happened in your life has dictated and said who you are. And that's why, again, you can't have those dreams. But I love what Jabez did. He said, I am not giving in to that. I am going to believe and trust that, God, you are going to use me and that you are going to enlarge my territory. So when I talked about the dreams, God, what is your promotion for me? in my territory, I want you to take it a step further now and maybe to pray the prayer of Jabez that God, would you enlarge my territory, that you would use me in something beyond what I even see right now, that it would be greater, it would be more. So um, I think that as a church that we need to take this on. God, would you increase our territory? Would you increase the, the blessing of the Lord in my life? Um, Luke 10 uh, two says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I believe that if we start to pray this way, we are going to realize that we need to put on some work boots, that we need to get dirty, that we need to not just expect somebody else, the church, to expect other people to do the work, but that we need to do the work ourselves. So what is it going to take to soften our calloused hearts? What's it going to take to help us not slide back into like circumstantial, you know what, the kingdom of God is going to grow when all is well for us. And you know what, it's not going to grow when it's not going so well. What is going to change the church from having these ebb and flows of, hey, somebody got saved and they're, look at them go. Look at, you know, there's revival happening. Look at all the new people got saved and they're bringing their friends. That's awesome. Where's our hearts? Are we calloused? Are we bringing in the lost? Or, hey, that's a really, really cool sermon series. Let's bring some people in. You know what? This one's not so good. So, I don't know. I'm not really inspired. I think there should be something beyond our circumstances that keeps us inspired. And so, as I was reading the whole passage of Matthew 13, I was left speechless. Because it's talked about something that we don't always talk about in the church. And you're yeah, yeah, but really, we don't talk about the word hell a lot in the church. Because I think sometimes we talk about a good, good father 
who loves you and loves me, and he loves us so much. I actually just watched a, um, a movie on Netflix. That should have said a lot. It was from Netflix. And I thought this is going to be a great sermon or a great movie. And it was about a pastor. And he had this revelation. And he was in a huge mega church. And he, he had some disappointments that happened in his life. And all of a sudden, he had this revelation that because he was, a, he was really sad that people around him were dying and going to hell. And then he was so distraught. And one day in his distraughtness, he had this revelation. Oh, my goodness. God loves everybody. He can't possibly send them to hell. We have had it all wrong. We have had it wrong. Nobody's going to hell. This is amazing. Don't worry, you're not going to hell. And I thought by the end of the movie, that was legit. I thought it was going to come around, and it didn't. Because there's actually a new theology that's coming through that we serve this incredible loving Savior that there's no hell anymore. But you know what the truth is? There was actually just a word from Emma Stark, who is the head of the prophetic team in Glasgow, and she came to Canada. And there is nothing wrong with the revival that just happened. It was amazing. It was the Father's Heart Revival, and it was good. But she said there is a new revival that's coming that is going to remind us that people are going to hell, and that while we are having fun, there's a lost and dying world out there. And God is drawing us back to holiness. And he's drawing us back to purity. And he's drawing us back to passion. Not for ourselves, but for something that is bigger than ourselves. There's something that has nothing to do with our circumstances, whether things are going well for me or not. Because whether things are going well for me or not, there's still a dying world. And if I am doing this, I am going to drown. But if I am doing this, I am going to soar. Amen? And if I am doing this, we're going to reach the lost. And if I'm doing this, we are going to reach Stratford. Because for me to tell you to do this means nothing to me. I got to bring a lot of spiritual application to this. I'm not devaluing it. I'm saying prayer makes the difference. Realizing that I'm putting, you know, these on an unsaved person's lawn or on their door saying, Jesus, save them. And every time I do this, I'm recognizing, wow, my street is lost, and I haven't done anything for it. We need to get passionate about who the heart of Jesus is and say, God, am I calloused? Would you, because I love the fact that, that new people do go out and save the lost. You know why? Because their eyes have been opened. Their spiritual hearts have been opened, and they go, oh, how did I not see this before? I, I want to ask myself this. Why do I not see this all the time? Why is it them who are bringing revival to my church? Why is it not me? And so I just want to read to you the rest of Matthew 13 because I believe that words cannot convince you of anything. I can have the most profound words in the world. I can have the most amazing sermon illustration, and I will not change your heart. I will, I will intrigue you for today, and you will not remember it tomorrow. But the Spirit of God, an encounter with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will change your life. So I just want you to read with me as we read the rest of Matthew 13. Jesus told parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping... But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, 
Then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did all the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the, at, and at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in a bundle to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to, into my barn. Matthew Henry's commentary says, it's big King James words, but observe such is the proneness of fallen man to sin, that if the enemy sows the tares, he may even go his way. They will spring up themselves and hurt us, whereas when good seed is sown, it must be tended, watered, fenced, or it will become, or it will come to nothing. So what he's saying, while we were sleeping, the enemy came in and he just... He just, you know, planted some weeds. He said, don't get them, though, because if you plant... You, so in other words, church, we can't decide what's good wheat and bad wheat necessarily all the time, but God's going to know at the end, and that wheat might be in us, but we need to be discerning. But then he said, don't worry, that, that bad seed, that wheat, or that, that weed, it's going to grow on its own, don't worry. It grows no matter what happens, it's sown. But the wheat... It has to be tended to. It has to be watered. It's got to be fenced in and protected. And that's our job as a church. So my question again is, when we invite our friends to church, when we evangelize, do we say, here's the church. They are the answer to all of your problems. Don't worry. We'll see you, you know, in another year. Come back. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you then. How, you know, how's it going from afar? Is it good? Water. Tend, protect. That's our job individually. It's our personal job. I'm going to continue the parable of weeds, explain. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the, the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out the kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their father, whoever has ears, let him hear. Moving on, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and he sold all that he had and he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. When was the last time when something was so important to us and we sold everything or we just left it and said, this is of importance to us? That's how important the kingdom of God is to Jesus. The parable of the net, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. 
The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think sometimes, I think we need to to get hell back into our vocabulary because I sat there just speechless all week going, how do you preach on reaching the lost and just give you frivolous, just exciting ideas and not say straight up, People are going to hell, and we're letting them. And it's our mission, and it's our mandate, and that's what convinces us. It's not frivolous words that will do anything, but it's a realization that we can change that. And so in closing, I, I just always like to leave with a little bit of a, like an application. And so very, very, very fast. If you don't know how to do that, I just have a couple options for you. These are, this is, this is what I would suggest. First of all, first of all, even before that, pray, pray, pray. God, who, who even next week am I bringing to church? Who am, who, you know, forget church. Who needs Jesus? Who can I take out on their lunch? But I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to just listen to them. I'm not, I'm going to forget about my own problems for a moment and I'm just going to listen you're going to listen. I'm going to ask that God will give me ears to hear what is breaking in their heart. Give me ears, Jesus. I want to listen. And then, did you know that you have a testimony? What did Jesus do for you? Jesus did something or you would not be here. And if you forget, I want you to ask God to remind you. And I want you to tell them their story. I want you to invite them into your home. I think our homes um, have become a place where we just kind of hide sometimes. When was the last time you had supper, invited somebody for supper or tea? Or some people can't. I heard a story of a pastor who just couldn't afford to invite everybody over to their house, so he had them over for toast. How dry is that? Let me give you permission to have messy floors, to have dirt everywhere, have stacks of dishes up to here, and eat toast with butter. Because that's really what hospitality is all about. And I encourage you to do it in the church because if we don't know each other, we're not going to invite people to the family reunion where nobody wants to go to, right? We've heard that many times from Pastor Chad. And then lastly, I just want to reintroduce this book to you. This is the purple book that went like wildfire last year, but sometimes we go through phases and then we drop them. This isn't a phase. You went through this book or church if, you don't, if you've never heard of this book before. This is the purple book, and this is a tool for you to use. You go through it first, but it wasn't to necessarily edify you. It was so that you're familiar with it, so that when you have a friend who's like, you know what, I just feel like I'm supposed to go to your church. I went to a tea last week, and I walked in the door, and all of a sudden, there was like two or three people who just said, you're from Bethel? I've heard that. Actually, I was way up north. I, I think God's telling me I'm supposed to go to Bethel. And, and I went, oh my goodness, Jesus, you know, like we need to be ready. And this is talking about being ready personally, not the church, personal, personally ready that I have, I'm not even inviting anybody in the church yet. I'm saying, can I, can I come to your house and do a book with you? Or do you want to come to my house? I'll do a book with me or come to coffee culture and let's just do a book. It's the most brain dead, easy thing you could ever do. You're just reading through the scripture verses and you're writing down what the scripture said. Reading through another scripture verse, writing down what the scripture said. Reading through another one. And then if they have questions and you don't understand and you don't know what to say, say, I'll find out. Right? Or let's come to church. 
But this is a tool to put into your hands because we are to be disciples making disciples. And so I want to encourage you that, that we have a lost and dying city who needs Jesus. So I want you to close your eyes. Father God, would you remind us? Would you remind us? Would you open our eyes? Ashley, I just want to pray over you today. I release every, every blockage of the enemy off of your eyes so that you will see again in Jesus' name. I say be moved in Jesus' name. Father God, I ask that you would remove every earplug in our ears that causes us to not hear the cry of those who need you. And I ask you, Jesus, to take your jackhammer and to drill out those walls around our hearts that makes us hard and hardened to the things that break your hearts. My prayer, God, is that my heart would break for what breaks yours, Jesus. And so, Father God, I ask that right now that you would put a personal promotion, a personal mandate, a personal mission, a personal vision in every person, that they would be excited about the things that you want to promote them in. But it's going to glorify you. And they're going to, they're going to see multitudes come. Our Father, I am praying right now a release of a new season of harvest in this church, in Bethel Pentecostal Church. And I just call into being a harvest. And I say, go and, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father God, we pray for salvations and we pray for healing of our hearts and those in this city. And we ask that you would do it in Jesus' name. Would you just stand with me? And just as we close, if you just feel that that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands to God and just say, God, would you use me today? Would you use me in this next season? Father God, forgive me. Forgive us for being a church that doesn't see or doesn't hear. Forgive us for being um, uh, self-absorbed. Forgive us for, for being apathetic, for sleeping through the seasons. And I just call a wake up in Jesus' name that we would wake up and we would see that the harvest is ripe. In Jesus' name, and let it be me. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.